Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Make It Modern. It's Ashley. And Kelsey. And if you are new here, we basically talk about what old shit is and how it would be like in modern time. This is a, that was right, right? But days went, mm. That sounded so off, but I do think you are correct. I think it was a long... There might have been an extra word in there that I didn't need. <laughs> what old shit is. And I was like, say? abort. <laughs> so it was abort. <laughs> Jump ship. We're, we're doing it. You know what? At least we do these. Like, I think it's good that we do them at the beginning of the episode. Well, yeah, because to assume that people love us enough to check back in every week is really just kind of narcissistic. <laughs> exactly. That would be too much. So we no. are, we're chill. We're cool. Plus, we're we hip. want new people. We want new people to love us. We're fun, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Did you see that we've hit over a thousand followers on Twitter? Yeah. It's crazy. That's your fault. That's all your fault. I Maybe saw it Instagram and I was has like... not done as many. <laughs> our Instagram, which I run very like, I don't mean t- it to be half-heartedly. I just also run a v- other Instagram. So when I get home, it's not always like I want to keep running Instagram. <laughs> I just have one thing I need you to find. And that is another post similar to the medieval baby post you had oh my god the medieval baby post is one of my favorite posts of all time i love it so much i also love anything having to do with like titanic memes like i think i posted one the other day and it's oh my god oh what is the web series it's like the life and times of caleb gallo i don't know why i know this was like a tumblr thing for a while there's a character named freckle who's amazing i also (laughs) low-key want my nickname to be freckle because like how fucking awesome is that it's so cute and they literally, <laughs> so the meme is, it just says the Titanic colon. And there's a picture of Freckle going, sometimes things that are more expensive are worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my favorite history meme I've ever seen. And I love, I mean, we have a history podcast. Clearly we love history memes. Like we are, we do not shy away from that shit. But the, <laughs> the darker they are, as per is my brand, the darker they are, the more that I love them. I love that. So I think that's yeah. great. And I, I, I it appreciate it. Good. There was a thing that I saw today on Twitter that just made me chuckle. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so apparently Sony Pictures is wanting to like redo The Princess Bride. And I was yep. like, the fuck is this? And so Carrie, oh, how do you say his last name? Ills? El- Elwes? Els. Els. I always say Els, but I feel like that's weird. He just was like, there's a shortage of perfect movies in the world. It would be a pity to damage this one. And I was like, yes, because it would be. He's such an icon. He's so funny, first of all. And like, we're talking about him in this episode. So I'm, that's why I was like, just looking at him. But um, yep. yeah, I was just like, I think that's like the most true. All these fucking reboots. Why? Just why? I don't, I don't think we need them. Um, As somebody who lives in Hollywood and <laughs> would like to become a screenwriter, it's because they don't take chances on new shit like a lot of people think that immediately you're going to gain an audience from something that already exists and that's not necessarily the case when you could be doing something super original like stranger things which is still nostalgic if you're going for the nostalgia era Mm -hmm. you know or uh haunting of hill house that's an adaptation from a book i mean i'm all about 
um, existing internet or intellectual property of like, please adapt a book. That's why I'm like very happy that all of these Stephen King things are happening. Like I was the it uh, remake was something that I was kind of against in the beginning. And now I prefer it um, just because I think they really did such a good job of making it 2019 Mm-hmm. And not trying so hard to be true to the original, just more taking the outline of the story as if it was from the book and not really based on the original miniseries. Um, and so that type of shit I really appreciate. Because I'm like, you don't need to touch the princess bride. Yeah. You just need to make it, like, I don't hate the idea of using that existing IP to inspire something else. Like, that's cool. It's weird because this morning on my way to work, I was thinking about The Princess Bride and I was like, oh, that'd be a fun episode to talk about maybe one time. And I was like, but what would it be like in modern times? And I was like, you know, I feel like it's one of those things that I don't really want an adaptation of (laughs) and or like a reboot. And then, of course, I see this on Twitter and I was like, I I predicted that. It was like I had ESPN or something. So (laughs) (laughs) No, like I think about that often because... um, like, there are a bunch of titles and stuff, and if if you know anything about copywriting and intellectual property, um, you can, like, Sony, for instance, has this thing that any, like, thing, I think, I remember looking up this rule in college, and it's, like, anything before 2007 is technically public domain property for Sony if you write a script specifically for Sony Crackle or something like that. Like, very, very complicated, but at the same time, it's like they still just want to use stuff that they already own Mm -hmm. and kind of redo it, which I find very interesting. Um, That's really fascinating to me. And then, like, Stephen King has these things called Dollar Babies, which I've always wanted to, like, get really into, where he sells, like, stories that he doesn't particularly like slash never published for a dollar, and then you own all the rights to it. And you can adapt it in whatever way you feel, like, true as long as you say, like, hey, adapted by something of Stephen King. Because bylines when it comes to film and television is very, um, very, very strange. Like, it's, there's a lot more that goes into, like, story by, written by, like, different things mean different things at the end of the day. It's not just, like hey, these three people wrote a film. It's like, well, this one maybe wrote the beginning and this one maybe did a rewrite about six months in. So, yeah, it's it's very complicated, but it's it's fascinating if you ever <laughs> decide to, you know, truly look into copyright law. Oh, that's um, super cool. You know, just on a casual Saturday copyright law. <laughs> yeah, I could see myself doing that, obviously. We can start that. We'll trademark it. Um, <laughs> I mean, clearly I'm like... <laughs> I insult my intelligence as much as possible on this podcast, but it is, it is like I only research things I find interesting and I do find copyright law incredibly fascinating because it's so stupid. Like there are so many things that you can tell or just put in there. Why is this the podcast? I don't even know. Um, There are so many things that put in there that are just like random ass shit that nobody needs to hear. But also like this does kind of apply considering Robin Hood is a public domain story. Yeah. I don't, he's been... I don't think anyone can take from my research of, you know, an article. I don't think anyone sure. can really like take credit of his creation. He kind of just was born out of like oral traditions and ballads. Um, I mean, it's just like it's ballads. It's it's like mythology a little bit. Yeah. It's like not really because Grimm is the Grimm brothers are responsible for like a lot of the fairy tales and Disney movies we see, but not all of them. 
And so, like, stuff like Robin Hood is just, like, legend. Like, no, you're not gonna pay somebody's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchild for the rights to Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Kelsey, what is our topic for this week? <laughs> yeah, I fucking spoiled that one, didn't I? Uh, it's Robin Hood. <laughs> I'm assuming people read the titles before they listen to the podcast, but I eh, could be wrong. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right, actually. Except my, one of my friends today was talking about our podcast, and she's like, I love that you titled your King Arthur episode Charlie Hunnam's Abs. And I was like, of course we would. Like, why wouldn't we? <laughs> like, I don't. First off, anytime <laughs> I can add a thirsty little title, because I'm the one who does the titles, <laughs> um, anytime I can add, like, a little thirsty bit, like, when we're talking about Keanu Reeves, that episode is entitled A Fine Chianti. Like, Chianti the wine, but it's spelled... K-E-A-N dash T. <laughs> well, I love it. Can't I'm hoping that we're going to have some, like, good thirst moments for Taron Egerton because... Oh, yeah, we are. I love him. And so, okay, we are going to... Just for people that haven't listened here before, we usually talk about kind of the, the historical aspect of it. And so for this, or, you know, like a classic lit, we have some mm-hmm. stuff about it. And then the three movies that we chose, because there's been so many fucking Robin Hood movies... Um, I was talking about this today, and they were like, oh, you're not going to do the Kevin Costner one? Oh, you're not going to do the Russell Crowe one? And I was like, no. They're all bad. A 45-minute situation. It's 45 minutes to an hour, okay? I can't talk about all these movies. So it's not doing. happening. I don't so know we, what else you want from us. I love doing. that you say three as well, because I only watched two. I will be referring to- on brand. I think that's-, that's fi- You've seen the other one, so I think it's going to be yes. fine. We were talking I have, about. But I only rewatched two. <laughs> the Disney Robin Hood movie that I think was like in the seventies. Then we're gonna talking 1973, about. Yep. Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is with our homeboy Carrie Ells. Watch. Um, <laughs> because it's kind of like a di- it's a very different take on. It's a very different take. It's <laughs> then, so funny. And then the newest one that came out, Robin Hood with Taron Egerton, Jamie Fox, and. Uh, Jamie Dornan, I think, is in it, too. Yeah. Is it bad that it took me, like, a good 45 minutes to realize that was Jamie Foxx? Because I was trying to place his accent. And yeah, like, it wasn't... Where is this guy from? And then I great. also, like... <laughs> I also, like, kind of realize in the back of my mind that when I picture Jamie Foxx, I only picture him with sunglasses on, which I feel like is just not acceptable. <laughs> but I I don't feel like I've seen the whites of his eyes very often. No, so, we, we don't get to see that. <laughs> no. So I was, like... It took me too long, like, after the training montage to be like, oh, fuck, that's Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I'm that's a mess. Fair. That's fair. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, an article, shocking, um, and it's actually not from the Smithsonian Channel. We're mixing it up. It's National Geographic. And, you know, uh, if we're trying to get the Smithsonian to fucking sponsor us, you need to pick up your game. I know. I'm sorry. But they had this article that really, like, lays <laughs> yeah. it all out there. And I was like, this is just a one-stop right. shop. You know so, I'm <laughs> so, It's, uh, who was the real Robin Hood? And it's by J. Ruben Valdez Miades. Hopefully I said that right. Anyways. That was very impressive. Thank you. I think it was better than trying to pronounce any mythological thing. I was going to say, are you going to bring up the time that I made you pronounce Norwegian elf names? No, and because I think they're Finnish or some shit. Moments. Like, you were, you were, that was rude. Um, so. <laughs> it's one of my favorite clips of our entire, like, podcast. <laughs> I love it so much. Because <laughs> um, it's just me torturing you as per usual. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> fun, fun, uh, fun. We are going to, it's a little bit. I mean, it's not super long, but we're just going to kind of go through it because I feel like a lot of people 
don't necessarily know the background of, of Robin Hood and kind of how he's evolved since the, uh, what is it, 15th century? I don't know. So we're going to get... Well, he's not a fox anymore. So, you know, <laughs> take so, a turn for the best. I think what's interesting to note kind of before we get into it is Robin Hood was really active throughout the centuries and he was kind of always used to portray what the people were going through. And by the people, I mean like the mm. common people. Um, so he, he changes a lot because obviously Europe was growing and a lot of things were happening, um, a lot of different uprisings. And um, he was always kind of the people's hero. And it's interesting to see how he changes throughout that. So um, the first known reference uh, in an English verse to Robin Hood is actually found in The Vision of Piers Plowman, written by William Langland in the second part of the 14th century, shortly before Geoffrey Chaucer wrote the Canterbury Tales. Um, Love him. I'm, yeah, I am very excited. So go listen to our Night's Tale episode. It's one of the best ones. That one in King Arthur is like up there. Same with shelf plug, self plug for all of our like medieval tale. There's so much fun because you just... You never know. We both love it so much. <laughs> we're we're not fighting throughout these episodes, though I have some opinions you'll probably won't agree with as per usual. All right, continue. <laughs> so historian and archivist Joseph Hunter discovered that many different Robin Hoods dotted the history of medieval England, often with variant spellings. Um, so this oldest one that we mentioned is in 1226 court register from Yorkshire, England, and it cites the expropriation of the property of one Robin Hood described as a fugitive. And there's kind of, it's sprinkled throughout, but um, there was no probably single one person in historical record who inspired these popular stories. Instead, it seems to be a culmination of different people. That's um, kind of interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, this, he's obviously been around and by the 15th century, the Robin Hood legend took on its first trappings of rebellion against the ruling class. Um, one of the oldest known written ballads about the forest outlaw is Robin Hood and the Monk, and it dates to about this time. Um, it's an early ballad set in Sherwood Forest near Nottingham, and it features Little John, one of the best-known members of his <laughs> band of merry men. Um, and in the tale, Robin Hood ignores the advice of Little John and leaves the safety of the forest. He travels to Nottingham to attend, attend Mass and pray to the Virgin Mary. At church, Robin is recognized by a monk who turns him over to the sheriff. The monk then sets off to tell the king of the outlaw's capture, but before he can arrive, Little John and the the Muke, Much, M-U-C-H, sure. <laughs> another one of Robin's men, overtake the monk on the road and murder him and his servant. Cute. Posing, yeah, it excels very quickly. Um, posing as the monk and his page, Robin's men deceives the king and they deliver the news of Robin's capture to him and are rewarded with money and titles. They return to Nottingham and free Robin from prison. The sheriff is humiliated, but he survives the story, while Robin, Little John, and much return to the forest with the forgiveness of the king. In this story, not the sheriff or the king, the monk is actually the true villain, because he's a corrupt figure who violates the sanctity of the church by betraying Robin's presence to the sheriff. Um, this version of the legend kind of visits an extreme end of violence for the villain, they justify it because of his corruption, but you know it's still well, it's a little a little excessive. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but medieval audiences like <laughs> seem to be okay with it. In fact, I feel they're like, like it's normal. Medieval times, people were just like, I feel like first off, they were obviously so much less politically correct than we are these days, which is fine. I mean, like I am glad that we're respectful towards you know different cultures and races now, but also like. 
medieval people were fucking hard as shit. Like, you you had to be there on fucking antibiotics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, like, keep in mind, this is a time when, like, brutality and violence was so extreme. Like, for fuck's sake, bodies were hanging all the time. You would just walk down a street and be like, "Mm, yep, another one. There goes Bob. He sure got it. Like, (laughs) casual for them. Yeah, it was normal. It's crazy. I feel like medieval people were literally the first gangsters. Like, they... Thug life, with a Y, was medieval life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fact. Um, So, yes. Um, So, a lot of the early ballads of Robin Hood kind of showed a turning of the tables with the whole lower class rising against the upper class by punishing them through trickery and often violence. Um, Cute. Yeah, it's cash. Uh, So, he really kind of... In the 15th, that's when his popularity grew. Um, this is one of the first works where his whole stealing from the rich to give to the poor really, really came about. Um, it did grow to take on a bloodier version. Shocking. Um, but so in in the jest, Robin Hood shoots the sheriff with an arrow and then slits his throat with the sword. Um, this is the 15th century manuscript of Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne. Robin Hood is not just content with only killing his opponent, Guy. He also mutilates the corpse with a knife, a deed he carries out with considerable relish. Um, I love that this dude is a hero, and these days he'd be on America's Most Wanted. Oh, for sure. Like, this guy, like, as long as he's sort of giving to the poor, everyone's like, nah, it's fine, however he does it. He's and literally actually- <laughs> like an SVU episode waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... In actuality, a lot of the times in these stories, his biggest uh, villain that he would fight against wasn't actually the Sheriff of Nottingham. It was this guy of Gisborne. Um, That's so weird because he's like never mentioned in any of the adaptations. No, it's it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, a lot of scholars kind of analyze these ballads and they notice like kind of like what I said earlier, that it really um, there's these themes of duping and punishing corrupt people, you know, and it's kind of reflecting the struggle between the disposed Saxons of the countryside and the powerful Norman rulers in the cities. Um, And, you know, in the centuries where Robin Hood was kind of taking shape, the English government was going through a lot of fucking crises, um, crises that upended the social order. So, yes. Um, Moving on, in the 16th century, he kind of loses his dark and dangerous edge and all of a sudden people like want to have these giant parties and dress up like him so the celebration of may day happens and every spring the english would herald this in the spring with a festival that often featured athletic contests as well as electing the kings and queens of may as part of the fun participants would dress up in a costume as robin hood and his men would attend the revels and the games so we've seen that competition you know, of these games in the stories, right? Like we've seen that when right. he competes for a kiss or whatever. And it's kind of funny. That's where it came from. But this part like kills me. So <laughs> it is during this period that Robin Hood also became fashionable among the royalty, even associated with nobility. One story mm-hmm. from 1510 claims that Henry VIII of England, then barely 18, dressed up like Robin Hood and burst into the bedchamber of his new wife, Catherine of Aragon. There, accompanied by his noblemen, he entertained the queen and ladies-in-waiting with his exuberant dancing and hijinks. 
1516, King Henry VIII and Queen Catherine took part in the May Day festivities, and 200 of the king's men dressed in green, and one dressed as Robin Hood led the monarchs to a feast. Okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna, like, let that sit. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, uh... Hmm. I just... Yeah, I need a moment with that one. And this is kind of where more, like, other characters came into play in the stories, and that's when the Sheriff of Nottingham really kind of came into appear with Friar Tuck and Maid Marian, and yeah, they also kind of popped up at these May games. But, you know, he kind of, he grew. In the Elizabethan era, he became a popular presence in play stages for the upper class, and even fucking William Shakespeare featured him in his works. Um, another one was, like, Anthony Monday, um, Earl Honey, Robert, let's see, who else? I think there was someone, another one, where it's, like, a more recent one. I don't know. But um, he has often seen kind of the story that we've all seen with King Richard the Lionheart. And, you know, he's left to fight in the Holy Land. And his stupid brother John takes over. And that's when Robin Hood's like, nah. So it's just kind of cool. And just the difference of players of that have played Robin Hood. You know, there's Sean Connery, Errol Flynn, Daffy Duck. Like, they all somehow at some point play the prince of thieves and it's just it's a really cool way to see how this is adapted throughout history and the way that people make it their own and obviously seeing how it's evolved from super dark medieval times to this jolly guy in men in tights you know just like (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't know if men in tights can be taken as like a viable adaptation no it's much lighter and just kind of crazy is a masterpiece by the way it's on hulu yeah. so <laughs> you should go watch it after this but yeah no that's fascinating that's really i mean i can kind of understand why it would become like he's more just like a beacon and a symbol as opposed to a person that makes sense to me um the violence does not that's very not what I was expecting from that article. Mm-mm. Yeah, I didn't either, to be honest. I thought I would just read, like, one story and be like, all right, that's where he came from. Um, And to see, like, the taking joy and killing the sheriff or guy or whatever, it's it's a lot. You know, it's a lot <laughs> to process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something there. <laughs> yeah. So they... Um, I guess, which movie do you want to start with? Maybe Men in Tights since we've been kind of talking about it? Or do we start with well, the Disney one? No, I feel like we, I feel like we go in chronological order. Okay. I feel like we've got to start with the OG, because the OG's the OG. <laughs> OG for us, at least. There's been older Ooh, ones, but, like, probably our I mean, first dalliance with Robin Hood as kids. I feel like it's most. I would hope so, because... You know, it's from 1973. Um, and then Men in Tights and then Taryn Edgerton's Beautiful Body. Um, <laughs> so I, it was so funny because I rewatched the OG and I just had this thought. And you're going to hate this thought. So I'm preparing you with this disclaimer. This is just to Ashley. Everybody else will probably be fine with it because I feel like most people can relate. Robin Hood was my first crush of all time. But yeah, and I voice. tell this Yes, <laughs> I've said this to numerous people and everybody who I've ever said it to has been like, "Oh my god, I thought I was the only one." 
And watching it back today, as a 25-year-old woman, I'm still like, Robin Hood could fucking get it. Like, that voice is like butter. It is so good. I'm like, the guy's definitely dead now who voiced him, but like, oh, I bet he was a hot teenager. That sounded so much creepier than I wanted it to. No, I mean, we've talked about this before on this podcast, where like, cartoons can be attractive. Like, I think... I was, I thought Robin Hood was super cool and like I thought he was so cute with the voice and everything and he was so great. And like I also loved um, Robin from Teen Titans, the original one, not this crap they've put out now. Um, yeah. And so I understood what you were saying, yes. Like I just, there's something about it. And I think too, like these older cartoons, and we talk about it with Sword in the Stone and some other ones, they chose these voice actors for a reason, right? Like they are. <laughs> Like, you can't see them, but... burst. Pretty much. And, like, the artistry that went into this movie, and, like, yes, I know it's old, and, like, we've talked about this. With the older ones, they, they obviously don't age well, and, like, for kids of today's generation, oh, like, no. they need to be, like, there needs to be things happening all the time, and, you know, Sword in the Stone is more of an educational movie than, like, a King Arthur I adaptation. This felt like it had more plot than Sword of the Stone. Definitely. For sure, though. And there's, like, things that you're rooting for, right? And, like, the stupid snake. And so this one's obviously, if you've never seen it, wow. But it's it's all animals. Um, And <laughs> they I like that they open it with, like, here's how it happened in the animal kingdom. And I just thought that was funny. Um, But, you know, it's kind of the same plot line where King Richard, the Lionheart, he's literally a lion, uh, is yep. off... On a crusade that Prince John's snake, who has hypnosis abilities, kind of similar to the one in the Jungle Book, but um, uh, there has, was like clearly some recycling <laughs> of these characters in the animation for the Jungle Book. Let's not even fucking play that like- shit. <laughs> the vultures, even Little John, I was like, mm. he's Baloo's voice, right? Is it the same dude? Let me look. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, animation wise, they definitely used outlines. For blue, for sure. Because if you think about it, animation back then, it was all hand drawn. You know, nothing's on a computer. So they had to draw that frame by frame, which is first off incredibly impressive. It was beautiful. He was blue. That's fucking amazing. And he's O'Malley in Aristocats. This is amazing. What an icon. Secret icon. Um no, but like uh they always say for the waltz scene for Snow White or no, Sleeping Beauty. Of, like, her and the prince waltzing. That's, like, literally just drawn from a video they took of a couple waltzing. Yeah. So, like, they use... They reuse shit. Obviously. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to redraw it. So I would not even be shocked in the slightest if they used Little John and Baloo, <laughs> like, together. But, and yeah, And I think, no. like, the artistry Sorry. is what sets it apart from movies now. Like, obviously oh, yeah. everything you can do is on a computer. But, like, what you just pointed out, like... This is beautiful to watch. You know, I love 101 Dalmatians. I love the stupid outfits that Cruella is wearing because it's so (laughs) different and vibrant. And, you know, God, the color changing dress and Sleeping Beauty, these older movies, and that's not even that old compared to these other ones, but there's something about them that kind of takes you away to another time. And that's why I personally love old movies. Um, And these movies are like nostalgic for us because that's our childhood. We didn't grow up with like Tangled and Frozen type of um, animation. But um, yeah, so this one's about uh them robin hood and little john and it's not really like a band of merry men it's kind of them and friar tuck um taking on the the prince and they are stealing money that he is taxing the poor animals to um 
pretty much poverty and they're trying to take that money back and give it to them and restore some sort of hope. And it's mm. just a cute story. And like he does great. Maid Marian is beautiful. I love I love in these old cartoons when they zoom in on their eyes and they're different colors oh. from like when they're farther away. Like there's that one scene in Sleeping Beauty where they zoom in when she's lying there and she mm-hmm. looks like a porcelain doll that's completely different animation from what they've been using before. And they yeah, do it's that like with clearly these they spent they spent just two hours more on these frames than they did every yeah. other frame. No, it you're completely correct. But um no, it's just it's like even watching this, because if you've listened to this podcast for five seconds, you realize that I am not the biggest fan of old movies. Um, I'm no longer allowed to say I hate old movies because I do not hate all of them, this one included. <laughs> I really, really liked this. and Because I it was interesting to do this after doing King Arthur because these episodes are structured very the same for us. Of like We have an old version and a new version. And The Sword in the Stone, I liked so much less as an adult. Mm-hmm. And this was like... I enjoyed it about the same as I did as a kid of like, it's entertaining to watch. Uh, Robin Hood is hot. It definitely is the reason I have a complex about guys who look like foxes. Um, (laughs) And no, but it's also just like, it's really well told. I loved the music. I forgot how much music was in it for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely did not realize that. But it's, it's all very 70s, which I think is my vibe to begin with. So it is very like um 70s music like it's 70s folk music basically mm-hmm. which was kind of cool because when you rewatch these films you don't always see sort of the influence of the generation or the influence of the era on them um because everyone's like they're fucking timeless i'm like well this one kind of isn't in a good way mm-hmm. like it very much feels like you could hear these songs at like a campfire before woodstock you know what i mean yeah and that, to me, was so cool and interesting to realize as an adult. Because I I probably haven't seen this. Actually, no. I watched it drunk in college once with people <laughs> who also said that Robin Hood was their first crush. So we could yell at the screen, but we didn't really watch it. Um, so, yeah. I just, I think this one ages well for kids that need to see something continuously happening. Um, I was talking about it with one of the parents that I babysit for and I was like, yeah, I don't think a lot of the old movies I like, the kids I babysit would like. He's like, no, like, I think they need a bit more, but I was like, you should try Robin Hood because I think it would be a really fun one for them because there's still, like, action and, you know, it's funny. Like, you see the stupid snake getting whirling around with the, yeah. <laughs> like, he blowing with the a balloon, balloon up and he's using that's his so tail cute. as a propeller. Like, that's cute. And when he follows as a kid, I'd be like, haha, that's so funny. And I think kids would still find that funny, you know, so... No, it's, I think this one has aged probably the best that we've seen out of, like, the Disney episodes we've done. Mm-hmm. From the super, super old ones, for sure. And then you get into Men in Tights. And Which that's is a just, whole other... It's, like, it's supposed it's to just monster. be funny, you know, and it, it's, it's not one to be taken seriously. It's surrounds, you know, Robin Hood coming back from fighting the, in, the, in the war, and he finds mm. that his manor is destroyed, except for his faithful uh, blind servant, Blinken. Um, and then uh, he goes to find the son of one of the men that he escaped with, who is named Achu. And they make all the jokes about sn- sneezing. And it's just um, a time. It's and- so campy and just kitschy and like... 
I'm shocked it ever got made, truly, because I feel like it was meant to be a very serious comedy of like, no, 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 we take comedy seriously. And it was made so badly that it ended up being more slapstick, but it still worked. I think it's slapstick because it was Mel Brooks that like directed it. I mean, they opened the scene with like, stop using our houses to do your opening credits, Mel Brooks. <laughs> like, I think it's I think it's supposed to be kitschy. <laughs> I don't know, because Mel Brooks goes in and out for me, but I do think he's theatrical enough to like be purposefully kitschy. Mm-hmm. And like there's some there's some fun facts in this movie. For example, <laughs> the mole on the Prince John's face moves every scene that you see. Like, <laughs> Wait, are these your official fun facts? Do I need to put in Ashley's yes, fun Yes, this fact is my thing? official fun facts. These are Ashley's fun facts. Excellent. So, fun fact. Mole moves around a lot. And every still, you'll notice that it's in a different spot. And at some point, someone does call him out on it. And he's like, I have a mole. It's so... <laughs> And this is kind of a random one, but from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the 90s movie, which we do not reference, people were very outraged that Sean Connery's accent was Scottish because he was supposed to be British and he didn't even try to have a British accent. So at the end, when Sir Patrick Stewart plays King Richard, he talks in a thick Scottish accent to kind of mock them for doing that, which, (laughs) you know, it's fine. And then the whole scene when um, uh, Nottingham falls into... Uh, latrine's roof and she tries to have sex with them they completely like just ad-libbed that that was none of it was scripted they were just going for it and you can kind of tell when it's happening that it's clearly a little bit chaotic but it's still really fucking funny um let's see are there any other ones oh none of the actors or actresses sing their own parts are we shocked not really (laughs) um i'm trying to think Eh, they always break the window when they like stare at it um, Hulk Hogan was offered the part of Little John, but he turned it down. <laughs> I saw him on a plane once. <laughs> That's the end of that story. That doesn't go farther. I just saw him on a plane. I did not say hello. I didn't feel like that was necessary with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, I think that's that's fair. I I like that. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Oh, no, Dom DeLuise and his dad are... In, or no, Dom DeLuise... Uh, is it David DeLuise? He's the dad from Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. So it's uh, Dom DeLuise and then his son. So Dom DeLuise plays the, the, the mob gangster guy that they turn to for help. And his son, David DeLuise, I think that's his name, was in it as well. He plays the men in Mary Tight picking his nose. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's my that's my little fun facts. Peter DeLuise, yeah. not David. I was wrong. Sorry. I messed up. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested. I don't um, think anything's gonna be my fun facts with a night's tale. I mean Linguini Lances, how do you top that? Linguini so Lances was incredible. <laughs> that was a great fun fact. Oh um, it is my goal to find <laughs> But yeah, my this goal movie to find another one. It's just, like, it mocks it a little bit with, like, the seriousness that I think other Robin Hood adaptations have, have taken. This is a much more lighthearted, I mean, for God's sakes, part of it is getting the chastity belts off of Maid Marian, like, a literal iron belt. Like, you know, it's just, it's yeah. it's funny. It's lighthearted, and it's something that is not devastatingly sad 
it's really, I mean, the humor has not all aged well, obviously, um, but, I mean, it's that time period where that was the kind of comedy that got people laughing. It still does, not all of it, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I just, I think I picked that one because it's so different compared to other ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I could not watch it. To be fair, I've seen it, I think, two or three times now in my life. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I've reached the quota. Um, I don't need to. Because I really wanted to watch the Taron Edgerton one. Because <laughs> I told you how bad it was, but also Taron Edgerton. Like, you had to. Okay, but, like, I didn't think it was as awful as I expected. <laughs> I did not like... Hot I'm, take. Okay. So we're gonna... We'll just skip over into Taron Edgerton. Which I think is. Like I mean, the I feel like this. we gave enough. Oh, we gave appropriate about. We did to men and this one That's all they need. Is supposed to I kind of think be an edgier version, right? Like it's modern. It's kind of like what they did with, with King Arthur, where they make oh, easily. it very yes. dark and quick witted, and you're moving. I think so. This one also focuses on him coming back from the Holy Land, except you see or the Holy War, whatever. And um. This one, is, you see a lot more brutality there. It spends more time with him and what he witnesses, and he's just, he can't do it. At some point, the other soldiers are just mercilessly killing these these people that are unarmed. He's like, that's not what our orders are, and they just do it. And that's where Jamie Foxx's character enters. He tries to stop them from killing his son, and, you know, Robin kind of does as well, but it just happens. And yeah. he's been this... He's a lord. He's Lord of Loxley, Lord Loxley, whatever. And he grew up just in this big house. He met Marion there. She tried to steal from him to help her neighbor and they fell in love and he went off to this war and she promised to wait. Well, in a turn of events, he gets sent back home because he's just injured or whatever. And um, she did not wait because they had announced that he actually died. So he's clearly upset. Which, like, that (laughs) was the part to me that made zero sense. Like, out of everything that happened, because I was like, I couldn't really see them being like, yeah, he died. Because that was... It was never explained I why there was I just did it so that they could seize his house and whatever money they could get from it. Yeah, but that was not explicit. <laughs> well, because then doesn't he apologize? Like, sorry, we seized your house and took your money. Is yeah, there's... but that still doesn't make sense. Like, they would have known he was coming back eventually. <laughs> Oh, you think they would have, like, set up his murder to murder? Yeah, I do. Because the sheriff's oh, the dick. Oh, interesting, okay. <laughs> because I'm like... That's true. I mean... Uh, by far, like, the worst... Like, this villain was substantially worse. Like, Jude Law still sucked. Don't get me wrong. As, um, whatever in... Oh, in yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but I this guy was, was a, just a dick. And, like, so cruel and mean. And basically... As you find out, this sheriff is a little bit different because they are actually, he has teamed up with the church to yep. um, stage a coup and take over the power because they are paying the people that British are, people are fighting. They are paying the, the people over in this holy war or whatever to win. And ultimately, they're going to take over the kingdom from the king. And that's their plan. And you're like, wow, that's, that part, I think, is very unique for an mm-hmm. adaptation for Robin Hood. That that's what the play they're going for, not just Prince John sucks, but, you know, it's they're involving the church and the sheriff, and they're using these p- poor, poor people, taking all the money they can, and, you know, it's 
that rhetoric of the war is coming, you know, you have to protect it. These are these are people that are going to come here, kill our children, slaughter our wives, all this type of stuff. And it's, um, I think, a good adaptation for, like, showing how to instill fear um, yeah. in people. And, you know, the, the man, Jamie Foxx, who witnessed Robin is different, has stowed away on the ship that took Robin back and is going to basically team up with him to take down all these people. And it's not just, you know, Robin is quickly like, well, I just want to, I'm going to kill the sheriff. And he's like, mm, you got to be smart about it, kid. Like, we want to <laughs> take down this whole operation, not just Robin Hood or not just um, the sheriff. And it's, yeah. he is really, like, little John and his name is John. It's, his name translates to John, which I don't, okay. And so, um, yeah, makes sense. You know, he's, sure. he's like the brain of the operation. He really is the one kind of pulling all the strings. Like, Robin gets it done because he's able to pretend, he's using his status as a lord to win favor with with the sheriff and i like mm-hmm. i liked that i thought it was kind of cool about you know he's pretending it's kind of like a double agent right like i, I thought yeah. that was really neat the part that loses it for me is that like this whole fucking made Marion thing just drawed it took too long he clearly was gonna get her back and like it felt like he wasn't really doing it for the good of the people he was doing it to like win her over like the thought didn't cross his mind to give the money to the poor until she's nope. like i wish i wish he would give it to someone else and not me the hood or whatever and he's like yeah, yeah. yeah i should do that and i'm like bitch of course you should do that like, <laughs> like i don't no, know it did it, feel like one massively weird grand gesture to just win her love back and i'm like all right cool um, yeah so and jamie dornan I, sucks so I mean, will scarlet is supposed to be in the man mm. it's just dumb like he's supposed to, will scarlet's supposed to be on robin hood's side and obviously right. they're both fighting over maid marion and in the end after they've won everything and like I mean he it's an epic battle or whatever and the sheriff ends up hanging from the ceiling of a church um or whatever room very exciting fucking Will Scarlet becomes the new sheriff um <laughs> and I'm like this is bullshit I don't know my favorite line in the entire thing is like because at the beginning you're like oh no Maid Marian isn't single anymore like Robin can't have her <laughs> and then it's like you see like this like very strange relationship with her and Will and it's like it doesn't make sense why they're together to begin with because they don't seem to like each other very much it just seems and like they tolerate each other <laughs> it's no it's so fucking weird and then it's like <laughs> like this made me laugh out loud to the point where I almost called you it was when they were like fighting because I guess she finds these papers saying that the sheriff's been colluding with the enemy in Arabia or whatever, right? So she finds these papers and, like, brings them back and she's like, we have to tell the people. And he's like, no, the people can never know. We're just misunderstanding things. And she goes, no, we have to tell the people. And he's like, it would ruin my political career. And I'm like, don't you fucking live in a monarchy? (laughs) Literally, though. so confused. Well, also, how the fuck are you going to get on the Council of Lords? You're not a lord. I know. And, like, I was like, I was, I was like, this makes no sense. Like, there's so, there, politics is not a big deal here, buddy. Like, I don't think there's going to be an election anytime soon that you're going to win. I, I, and also, like, what a like, bitch what? move. Like, not standing up for the people because you're afraid they're not going to choose you as their leader. Like, go oh, fuck off. Like, I hated so him. It was so funny. It was so funny to me. I was like, you're going to ruin my political career. I was like, okay, buddy. <laughs> I feel like you have a really different idea of what, how, like, popular you are here. And it's like, you know, there's clearly some stuff that doesn't really match up with 
the time period's language. Like, when he comes home and it's, like, eviction notice or, like, seizure notice or something. Like, okay, like, I doubt they use, oh, whatever. It's it's just, I also had a very hard time. There was one scene. This is, like, me being, like, such a fucking Aquarius. So, (laughs) there was one scene where they're, like, running away from the bad guys on horses and Taryn Edgerton's on a horse and there's like fire everywhere for some reason and that makes zero sense and like they're running these horses across like drawbridges and roofs and in my head I didn't think like oh what a cool scene how awesome this was filmed in my head I'm like that that roof could not bear the load-bearing weight of a horse and a person running at full speed (laughs) Well, when the horse busts through the wall of that one building, I'm like, there's no fucking way a horse would run through that without dying. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, there's just, like, there were so many moments where I was like, I feel like somebody put this in the script being like, this would look fucking sick. And then had no idea how to practically do it, which probably cost the studios ten times more money. It's like, like when Sup- in, in Superman, when they had to CGI his mustache and, like, how much that cost. <laughs> that is still one of my all-time favorite things that has ever happened. I loved that so much. <laughs> I I think the part where this movie fell for me is I saw the trailer and I was so hyped. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. I think it takes a while to get there. And when it does, it didn't quite reach my expectation of, like, badassery. Like, okay. this kid doesn't really know anything. Like, he's not Robin the Hood that just knows everything. Like, not, literally, he's John. a piece of shit, really. If honestly. John had his other hand, he would be doing this. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and yeah. I like him, but it's, he just, and I don't think they played up enough the internal struggle for him to live a comfortable life as a lord and, like, help others. Because he clearly wants to, but I don't think I bought that enough when, when Marion was like, I know you. Like, Robin Hood is who you are, or the Hood is, or whatever. And yeah. Lord Loxley is your your alias or some shit and i'm like is it though because he literally said all i wanted to do was just hang out in my house with you and sit around and do nothing at some point <laughs> like mm. <laughs> and it changes like, right it does change with what he wants to do but he kind of just seems like a lazy frat bro like really that's truly what it is but also <laughs> just it's so strange because they did give him such a good character backstory and good character development and then did nothing with it. Yeah, like he just And it I was, was like, what? That makes zero sense to me. But also, like, there's a lot of parts of this movie that make zero sense to me. But I think the reason I enjoyed it more than I thought I would is because I oftentimes see these movies and adaptations and I always assume they're going to be awful. Because that is historically how it works. Like, I've never seen a King Arthur or Robin Hood or you know, so-and-so adaptation, but, like, yeah, that's gonna kill it at the box office, really gonna beat those Marvel movies out. Like, no. They're all awful. I don't understand why they keep being remade, other than I think people, like, go to hate watch and be like, is this gonna be as bad as I think it is? And the thing that kept killing me is I was like, I just thought the script was really badly written. Like, I actually thought it was filmed beautifully, I thought yeah. the cinematography was really great. I thought, you know, there were some aspects where I was like, this is really done. Like, especially the fight scenes were choreographed very intricately. I really enjoyed it. And then it was like, then they talk and I'd be like, I get why this movie tanked. <laughs> I understand it now. <laughs> because the script is fucking awful. Yeah. It's just, it had so much hope i think to be different and like 
they wanted it to be like like kind of futuristic but also kind yeah. of past but sort of modern and they, they said that in some of the interviews or whatever but i just was like i just don't think you nailed it you know and there's no. those brief moments of like comedy that taron edgerton like a quick a funny line that he will say to jamie fox or the he'll throw back and i'm like i kind of want more of like the quick wit you know i think we talked about how king arthur almost had too much of the quick wit i yep. wish that they would have taken some of that over into here because it just felt so dry i felt similarly yeah i felt very similarly of like i thought that where King Arthur really nailed the dialogue and they missed in the story, this was the exact opposite. Yeah. So I, like, I couldn't agree more. Taron Edgerton's hot as fuck. I think he was perfectly oh, yeah. cast. I will never stop saying that. Nope, um, I was into it. I just The think... montage, by the way, the training montage, very okay with me. Yeah. Like, I was like, shit, those arms, or like when they make the muscles out of the, or when he's lifting weights out of like iron and shit, oh, yeah. I was just like, okay. Um, I was like, I could watch two and a half more hours of this because I'm a thirsty bitch. I just think they didn't use him enough. You know, like I think he was great in Kingsman and I just think he's awesome. And I haven't seen Rocketman. I want to. Oh, I but, did. Um, he's great in it. I just, I don't think they, they utilized him enough. Yeah. I, no, I agree. Yeah, so I think this one kind of missed for me a little bit more than the hopes that I had had for it. <laughs> um, you always go in with such high hopes, bless you. I know. It's because, like, I see the actor and I'm like, fuck, I'm excited. And then it happens and I'm like, meh. Um, but I think I like, it'd be cool to see another adaptation of Robin Hood more, like, modern to today's society. And, like, what, because, you know, we, we talk about how in, in the early... 15th and 16th centuries or whatever how he's a malleable person and he's used to show like the common people's problems and kind of how he Mm -hmm. uprises i'm curious what it would be like if a story writer tried to do that today you know kind of making him the voice of like our generation maybe or you know how would they make him the people's hero because that's what he's done throughout history hero by i mean taking down who's in office right now um I, I think we do have a few Robin Hoods in this era. Like, not necessarily financial Robin Hoods. But I think there are a lot of people who maybe began their lives in a more comfortable percent. And who have really tried their hardest. You know, we've got some great activists out there. Um, and this is a generation where people's voices are being heard. But I, I would agree it'd be very fascinating to see somebody take action. Because where I think voices is common, action necessarily isn't. Yeah, because I don't think, obviously, it could be as violent as the medieval ones were, you know, and how that would play out is like a very interesting thought about how you place someone mm-hmm. in this world and how a Robin Hood rises up. Um I don't know if we would, you know, like, we love superheroes and stuff like that. But in reality, if someone on a mask is saying something to us, I don't know if people would necessarily listen or be afraid. Yep. Um, I mean, just looking back at, like, attacks that our country has had in the past. You know what I mean? It's just, I yep. don't know. He'd have to look so different, I feel like. <laughs> um, and, it, no, I, and I don't even mean that, like, I don't think the costume or the hiding behind the alias would work. Because we oh, live in yeah, such, like, an exposure like <laughs> exposing kind of everybody and peeling back all the layers of person cancel culture that is so relevant to today's society with social media that I don't know if we would want him to not be like a real person, you know? 
Yeah, being anonymous is probably... Well, being anonymous, because I think the whole thing about Robin Hood is, like, obviously it's a face of the people. Like, it helps that he's anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, it'd be very hard if I just decided I wanted to be, you know, the the, the face of, you know, steal from the rich, gift for the poor. I bet you money people would like find me on fucking social media in 10 minutes you know what i mean well, it's kind of like that I, I didn't watch it but it was that movie on Netflix that just came out called like good sam and it's about that good samaritan that's like leaving money on people's porches to those who need it or something like that and the the news reporter is super skeptical about it like why the fuck would anybody do that um and i think it's so true like if someone just like robin hood started taking money from political corporations and or something not political corporations but like you know any big run thing, any big company, anything that people don't like, and just started dropping that money off on people's houses, I would be like, um, I don't think I could touch that. Like, this feels illegal. And like, I don't know if something's going to come back and bite me in the ass later. Like, I don't know if I could accept that money. You know, I would be afraid. Right. About like, where the fuck did this come from? Yes. Um, I, I mean, I feel the same way from like a, a karma thing of like... You know, I don't pick up money on the ground because I feel like that's bad karma. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if somebody stole money and gave it to me, I'd be like... Mm. Yeah, I feel that too. I don't know. Either way, I think it'd be really interesting to see if, if this was ever adapted for 2019. That'd be so... That'd be a weird one. Whereas, like, I feel the rest of them because everything is getting a fucking adaptation. But I feel yeah. like that'd be a weird one. I think being a Robin Hood yourself is, like, easier through small acts of kindness, you know, kind of, like, paying it forward when you go to Starbucks, like, paying for the person behind you or something like that. Like, that is probably more achievable than someone rising up to just take on the world right now, (laughs) I Mm. think. So I think, you know, within us, we all have a little bit of being able to be Robin Hood by doing some kind of kindness to someone um, or looking out for someone or, you know, if you... Are just out and about and you see someone picking on someone, you can be like, mm, hey, you better not do that. Or you like knock it off or something. But yeah, I right. don't know. Small acts of kindness, I think, are more doable. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I have on Robin Hood. Anything, any final thoughts you have? No. I think with that, we have a little, a little podcast recommendation for you guys. Um, mm-hmm. It is one that I have recently discovered and kind of become a huge fan of. And it is Fuck Boys of Literature. So Love that name. <laughs> Me too. It's iconic. So much. Um, you should definitely check her out. But uh, here is her promo for her podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily Edwards, the host of Fuckboys of Literature. If you want to hear stories about the shittiest people of lit and all the characters who are mad, bad, and dangerous to know, come find us on fuckboysoflit.com. That's B-O-I-S. Or on Twitter at fuckboysoflit. Have a good one. So, yeah. Let us know if you guys check it out. And, uh... Tweet at us what you think about it. We think it's pretty fun. But um, I think, Kelsey, what are we what are we doing next week? So next week is very exciting. Um, it's something that I've wanted to do since we started the podcast. I very much am spearheading this project <laughs> and forcing Ashley to go along with me. But um, for the month of October, instead of doing like creepy stuff, because I feel like a lot of people do creepy stuff, we wanted to do something super different. So we're gonna do a three part series. 
on spirituality and the history of like spiritual modalities and so there will be one episode on past one episode on present and one episode on future so like for the past um which is going to be next week's episode we are going so it's kind of crazy because i've been preparing for this for so long that i'm like really hyped to talk about it but i don't want to freak people out (laughs) so we're talking about the history of past life regression and i actually did a live uh past life regression with this wonderful woman named kate and so we're gonna air basically ashley's reactions to some of that because if you kind of listen to this long enough you realize that like i'm very into new age all that bullshit of like astrology and i love psychics and i've had past life regressions before um and actually you're a bit more skeptical of all that shit yeah yes yes i am so (laughs) so it's essentially like this isn't going to be me convincing people um of like yes you should get into spirituality because that's not the point i think the reason I wanted to start the series was more from a standpoint of, like, I think a lot of people are really scared about this. Like, most people who, when I say I love psychics, they're like, oh, I could never. Um, because I'm afraid and I don't want to know what if they tell me I'm going to die. And so I really want to, like, kind of dispel the notions and really peel back the curtain on, like, um, psychicism and Reiki and crystal healing and stuff like that that people maybe are scared to try. And a lot of that fear comes from, hey, you don't really know what's going on. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited. I've had the regression done already. I have it all recorded, but Ashley hasn't heard it yet. So this is going to be like kind of a crazy episode. Um, And yeah, and then from there on out, we're going to do present and future as well. So it should be It'll be fun. And it goes well with the uh, the months that will be falling in October. That's kind of – we've done Halloween episodes in the past, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not going to talk about haunted house shit after what happened with the last time we tried no. to do it. Um, that was a nightmare. I uh, literally, like, I refuse to even mention it to people. No. I'm like, it freaks me out every – it's the one – like, I listen to all of our episodes numerous times because I like to try to figure out, like, what's good and what's not. I can't listen to that episode. No. It scares no, me no. so bad. Um, But we will have some kind of Halloween-y one at the end about yes. the character. Maybe. Correct. So we are, <laughs> we're going to just start off with this, though. It's a little bit different, but I think um better a better approach to our Halloween, you know? <laughs> so. No, I think this is a much less um, not-going-to-get-possessed approach that we're taking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we like that. So um, Not going to get haunted live on air again? Uh, yeah, if you have no idea what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Haunted House episode. It's a fucking doozy. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but uh, to conclude, as we always do, if you're not following us on social media, you should be. It on is. Twitter and Instagram, we are at capital M-I-M-M, wow, underscore podcast. And on Facebook, we are at Make It Modern Podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I've been Ashley. And I've been Kelsey. And we'll see you all next week.